Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show. Coming at you on a Wednesday morning. What's happening, everybody? Hope you're having a great June. Hope you're having a great summer. Hope you're staying cool during this heat wave. Good Lord. Good Lord. Heat wave. Tell you what, the bats were pretty hot last night for the Arkansas Razorbacks who clobbered Auburn, eliminating the Tigers from the College World Series and Texas AM took care of Notre Dame five to one in their elimination game. They like to celebrate in the dugout with some uh, Pringles, which actually I respect. You could say, oh, AM, uh, come on. Pringles, Pringles are like underrated, although I, I just, you know, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I haven't got my arm stuck in there at some point. I mean, who has it? You know, I feel like the first time they made Pringles, the guy in the truck showed up to get them, you know, they're expected a bunch of potato chip bags and they just he accidentally had nothing but just tennis ball cans. And they're like, all right, let's just roll with it. How did I get here? I just started the show. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, Auburn eliminated, Notre Dame eliminated, Arkansas and AM still alive. But Oklahoma and Ole Miss are sitting pretty. They still are in the double elimination portion of the bracket. And uh, and now, you know, uh good luck, AM. You get to take on, you know, a team in Oklahoma that was my pick to win the college world series when, when the, you know, the field of Omaha was officially set and okay. a and you're the number five national seed, but can you beat the Sooners today and tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it, it I, I think it's going to be awfully tough. It's going to be awfully tough. You know, A&M's 13-8 lost to Oklahoma back on Friday. You had Detmer. He was working on only three days rest, gave up seven runs, got pulled in the second inning. And, you know, he's he, he was glad to come back, do something. He pitched well, three-hit ball over seven shutout innings, helped take down Notre Dame. But it's I just feel like Oklahoma is sitting pretty, and Ole Miss is sitting pretty. Ole Miss, Arkansas, though, again, I don't know. Man. I, I dig it. College World Series has been fun, although the games yesterday weren't exactly um, – nail biters by any stretch of the imagination here's what we got for you on the gray scott show today james butler my friend former raging cajun wide receiver former nfl wide receiver this is the kind of guy james is this is how much he loves doing radio with me and i enjoy doing it with him he worked the night shift james is a state trooper now like 5 p.m to 5 a.m and came in after that to record some segments so we pre-recorded it earlier, but 
We dig into um, all kind of discussions. You don't want to miss it. It's great. It's always good when James is on. We got great stories. We got great uh, chatter about the local teams and a number of other things. And like wedding etiquette. If you're throwing a wedding, you know, how, how, how do you treat the groomsmen, the bridesmaids? The, you know, do you, do you have the open bar? Do you cater? A lot of stuff to get into during wedding season. But we're going to tie it all into sports, of course. That's coming your way in just a little bit. James always said he felt like he, he probably should have moved to tight end. He said some coaches approached him about it when he was at UL, and he said, no, I'm sticking to receiver. He said as he got older, he regretted it a little bit. One of the greatest tight ends ever, the ultimate meathead, Rob Gronkowski, announced once again he was retiring from the NFL. Do any of you believe that? Do, you, do any of you believe that? He is going to sit out camp. He's going to return at some point during the season. Rob Gronkowski makes the rules for Rob Gronkowski. Okay? He can come back whenever he wants. Tom Brady's essentially just doing whatever he wants in Tampa, calling the shots. I don't want Bruce Arians in here anymore. Okay, sure. Sure. We'll, we'll just move him somewhere else into the office. We'll put Todd Bowles in there. Tom Brady wants Gronk back at some point, but he also knows that if he gets him back too early in the season, it's not going to help him in the long term. So even though it's the second time Gronk is retired, Gronk's going to play next season. I'll bet money on it. He ain't retiring. I mean, he's like the boxers or the wrestlers that just retire. In fact, he is a wrestler. <laughs> he did that during his year off of NFL. He'll be back. He'll be back. See, with, with Gronk, it's not even him being a hypocrite. It's just him playing by his own rules, like kind of a wink and a nod. Yeah, I'm going to retire, but, you know, if Dom calls me, I'm going to be back in there, man. Working hard, you know, but in the meantime, party time, man. You can hear him right now. But speaking of meatheads, let me tell you who is a hypocrite. Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka yesterday became the latest star who, you know, in the golf world, who left the PGA Tour for the Live Golf Tour. And, you know, is the money ever going to run out? Because the amount of money it's taken to get some of these guys, and I don't know the official numbers on Kepka yet, but it's gonna it's gotta be ginormous. You know, like it is it a threat? This is a whole lot of money. A whole lot of money. But the PGA tour, what are they gonna do to stay relevant with so many big stars? I mean, Brooks Kepka is a star. A star who's a hypocrite for calling out Phil Mickelson, calling him greedy for going to the live tour. Uh, dude, most of you have a price. As the million dollar man would say, everybody has a price. Everybody. Apparently, Brooks Kepka has one. Which I'll be honest, it wasn't all that surprising. You know, outside of the US Open, outside of the Masters. Outside of the majors, I mean, we saw it with the U.S. Open. As long as the stars are still allowed to play in the big events, 
Golf will be what it is. Casual fans will still tune in. The only way to really threaten these guys going to the live tours if you if all if all four majors were like you play on that you're not allowed to play in this but they don't want to do that because they're you know they're they don't want to lose the star power they don't want to have live say okay we'll create our own majors and all this other stuff it's it's very weird you know the first edition of the xfl which was a joke it had all this hype and it didn't you know last at a season they weren't a, a real threat to the NFL. And at the time, it's ridiculous to think that a few people were like, it might be. No. You know why they weren't a real threat at all? Because they didn't have the money to compete with the NFL. They didn't. The Live Tour has money. You know, oh, you can't keep shelling out all these nine-figure deals and think it's going to last. I mean, I this is Saudi Arabian money, man. This is this is a ton, but is it going to be enough for the live tour to get the viewers, to get the TV money, to get enough? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But to think that it's just going to run out at some point, I, I don't know that that money's going to run out. I don't. And the live tour is trying to be more modern. They're trying to do things differently. They're having teams. They're having, you know, a score to they're 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 changing some elements of golf. It in in a lot of ways, if you take out the Saudi aspect of it, it kind of has an XFL in 2000 feel to it, but with real star power and a whole lot of money. But in terms of how they're trying to approach the game a little bit differently. Will it rattle the cages of the PGA Tour a little bit? I think it has. You can't just keep going back to the well and just saying, hey, Tiger Woods, he might play this weekend. And, they, you know, at the U.S. Open, it was clear the PGA was trying to make Rory the face of, of golf right now. But I, I don't know, man. The PGA probably needs to evolve a little bit here, right? This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. James Butler, former Raging Cajun and NFL wide receiver, in studio with me next right here on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm surprised that you're playing that this morning. James Butler is in the house, everybody. My friend, former Raging Cajun and NFL wide receiver. Well, apparently not former Raging Cajun because you seen that thing that happened on Twitter uh, yesterday. No. they uh, Some Cajun website, they, they took a poll and they asked what offense, which four you are offenses of what year. What the most successful, and I think they said like 2011, 2013, 2015, and like maybe like 
2017. I don't remember the years. Well, you played on one of those? I did. I played on 13. So each year, they highlighted, like, the players that was a part of the offense. So 13, they had Terrence Broadway, Jamal Robinson, and Elijah McGuire. And I, I uh, quote t- tweeted it, and I put, well, damn. <laughs> and, like, people was coming back and tweeting, like, yeah, Jimmy B, we know Come who on, you are. Man. Like, don't yeah, worry about why, it. Why are you leaving out? I don't know, man. I guess, you know, I wasn't the integral part, which I probably weren't. That's but, not I mean, true. That's not true. Hey, man, I ain't do much that year. That's not true. It, 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 it's not all, you know, it's not all in the stats. Stats don't yeah. tell the whole story. Well, yeah, I guess. But stats are what people are going to put down on a poll like that. I actually struggle with that. That's crazy you bring that up. I struggle with that. What, stats? No, like... Not so you know, getting recognized for the other parts of the game? It's not even that. I think I'm too hard on myself when it comes oh, to stuff okay. like that. Because I think, like, so, of course, I was hurt the 2011 bowl game year, so I wasn't a part of that. 2012, I go and I catch one pass in the bowl game, and I'm like, mm, I really wasn't a part of this. That, but you, you, that's, you did more than just one game. You played right, the whole season. Right, and I have to remember that, like, there were games the 2012 year where, like, the starting receivers were hurt and I had to come in and play, and we won those games. So, basically, I had to tell myself, and people had to tell me that, you know, I was a part of that, just maybe not the big game, but I helped lead up to that point, right? So, then you got 2013, that bowl game year, they only threw me one pass, and that was the pass interference. And I was like, okay. But 2014 is the one where I had eight catches. Yeah, Sports Season Center high. top 10. Season high, man. I mean, career high, eight catches. Sports Center top 10. You went out with a bang. With a bang, man. Yeah, James if James Butler is here, everyone, as you can hear. Uh, he said, just do me a favor. Don't play Beastie Boys for every. He said, I got nothing against them, but don't play them for every single intro. And so I threw on some Billy Ocean, and I, I think I got him. Hey, man. I thought I got you in a good mood, but then you got kind of down. You're, you're, no, no, I'm just saying, I'm just, like, you, know. you know. No, because, like, it was when I said, well, damn, it was like I, I was joking because I, I understand. I just wanted to, like, just create You just wanted some to be you. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to, like, <laughs> you know, create some country. But I, I definitely understand, though. It's not like I'm sitting there like, man, I was a, no, I, I know. That I didn't have the stats like that. I understand. Hey, you had a good career. You had a good career and, um, you know, played up in Green Bay for a little while in camp with your boy Aaron Rodgers, one of your best friends. So you bring you, – What, what you is – what that. is? I want to ask you about Aaron Rodgers. Does he – on one hand, some, some of his teammates say, oh, he's the best. And then you hear others be like, man, he's kind yeah. of miserable to be around. I didn't get the miserable to be around part, honestly. This guy was nothing I think but nice he to me. Loves, I think he loves the locker room and the players. I think he really struggles with – like when he was in that golf event they had where he had to golf and him and Mahomes and Allen, he just looked like he just hated anyone that was asking him questions. Like right. I think he struggles with that part of being uh, famous mm-hmm. is – you know, oh God, I have to talk. I have to be friendly to you. Like, yeah. why do I have to do this? You have a mic on me, guys. I'm just. It's almost like I'm just going to do this stuff so I don't get fined. But then if I be honest, you all kind of judge me anyway, <laughs> and then it makes yeah. me angry. And so then I'm honest, and now I'm a villain. I hate all of this. I just yeah. want to go in the locker room, close the door, and just be with the guys. Right. And 
that's the vibe I get from him. Like some some stars, I mean Peyton Manning, he could just yuck it up with the best of them. Yeah. And if it was after a loss, he could he would wear it, but he would still say the right things and move on and it's all shucks. And with Rodgers, it's like win or lose. When he's having to do something with the media or or talk to someone in public that's not a teammate, right? He just looks like he's mad at the world. But I mean, you know, the guy brought me to practice my first day. That's pretty know? cool. So, just gave you a ride. Yeah, gave me a ride. I'm riding a truck with Aaron Rodgers, and he's asking me questions about what kind of truck was it? It's like a regular Chevrolet Silverado or something. Nothing like that. crazy. Or a GMC. CL That's a good sign when you're starting yeah. quarterbacks, not in like you know the yeah, fast sports nice. car, which just a good yeah. solid truck. Cool guy, man. Then there was a a, a situation where um, I was supposed to be in the actual game, and I wasn't. And he looked at the formation and realized that we were missing the receiver, and it was supposed to be me, and I was supposed to be in, but I wasn't. And I surely I thought this guy's about to tear me up, like he's about to curse me out and. Give me the blues. But he was like, nah, man, come on. Like and I was like, okay. I feel comfortable here. So you're you're if aside from the fact that he doesn't play for which is a which is not good for you. Right. You like Aaron Rodgers because of your experience with him. My question to you is let's say you were in camp somewhere else. Uh-huh. You never met him, you never knew him. Mm-hmm. He didn't throw balls to you, he didn't take you to practice. Do you think that as a consumer of football the way you are, I know you're obviously you're huge Saints fans, but you follow the NFL closely. Mm-hmm. Do you think you would like really dislike Aaron Rodgers? Nah, man, because like I try not to make personal judgments on people without actually knowing them. Because that taught me not to do that. Unless they play for the Falcons. Yeah, well, yeah. Even though like your best friend was on the Falcons for a, yeah, for a well, minute. And I'm Boris kinda, and Yama, yeah. kind of upset with him right now, too. Oh, I'm going to come back to that. Kind of upset with him right now, too. But, um, nah, like, I, that, that situation taught me that, though, you know? Because of my personal experiences with him were great. More than one conversation. So I have... Many different conversations and many different scenarios to go off of to make my personal assessment on how he is as a person. Yeah. So um, I can't say that because I try not to do that. You know, I try to just have my own experience with them. Because you never know, like some people, they might be going through something at the time that you come in contact with. Absolutely. You never Absolutely. know. So you really can't, you know, judge a person like that, I guess. I, um, I, I think – when I was a when I was a kid, or even when I was in college, and was just sort of a fan, it was hard to really understand the human element of because you just see these individuals and they're playing a sport, mm-hmm. and you yell and you scream expletives and you scream cheers mm-hmm. and you live and die by it all, and then you you know go back to studying for your test or mm-hmm. hanging out with friends or whatever, and then when you start working in sports and this side of it, and you start like you know, getting to know people. I mean, I've gotten to know you well, but coaches, players, it it puts it in a very different perspective. And I don't know that I'd, I would like to think that as I got older, that probably would have happened a little bit. But if I was working in a different line of work and was just still a fan, I don't think I would feel as much. Right. Um, now, like, I'll still have fun on social media or bag on Matt Ryan or whatever. Now he's on the call, so I don't need to rip on him as much. I probably still will. But, like, it's it's just 
one time somebody was like, man, you like hate Matt Ryan. I'm like, I don't hate, I don't even know Matt Ryan. Like, right. I don't, I don't yeah. hate him at all. Like, he's, he's a father. He's a husband. Like, he, he's probably fine, but Dang. that's that, like, to, there's like a, there's like a line between fandom and humanity. And when you are walking the line, but you know you're walking the line, and it's just, look, this is just sports. Yeah, like, right. I don't, yeah. you know, I mean, you might give Anthony Davis a ticket if he was speeding. Nah, you're not going to. I genuinely. You're not. I genuinely do not like that. Right, guy. right. Okay. So you would give him a ticket when he was speeding. A I bad example. I don't want to know him. All right. So I don't if. Uh, get to yeah. know him. Nah, I'm going to say this. I don't want to know him. I don't want to get to know him. He's, he disrespected my city, man. And listen, I'm very grateful. So this is weird for me to say. But I just, I don't know, man. I just, I can't do it. I All can't. Right. All right. Sorry. Sorry I brought up uh, yeah, your, tri- your trigger name there. Yeah, man. I just cannot say Would you make of Anthony guy. Davis saying that uh, he hasn't picked up a basketball in two months? He's soft. That's what I made of it. But, man, I just, honestly, I was like, you maybe played, what, 40 games this past year? I, I think it was a little more than that. I think it might have been 40, man. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Fact check me on that. But how do you go from missing half of the season? Like, it's not like you played 70, 80 games and went deep into the postseason. 40. You were right, right on the number. 40? For, so 40 games? 40. Yeah, so it's like it's not like you went deep into the playoffs, deep into the season. I mean, we, you got work to do, man, but I don't care. Don't touch a basketball. I don't care. It don't make me no difference. I mean, getting away from the game is is normal, but there were a lot of former players that are like, you decompress, you get away for a little bit, but then you get back in the gym and you start working. You think Kobe ever decompressed? Well, no, but you're talking about Kobe. You think Brian ever decompresses? I think he absolutely decompresses. Not that long. Of course not. not. Of course not. No, no, I, I don't. I, I think, I think, you know, a lot of the great players they they're. Probably not staying away for two months, especially when like rehab and everything is done. Right. It's one thing if you're rehabbing and you're away and you're doing that thing, but no, it was there was a reason it made it made headlines. Like there was a reason it made headlines. Trick question: Do you think Zion decompresses? No, I mean no. I mean the guy. I think he. I think he struggles with his weight. Obviously, um, I think he. I think he looked great, by the way, whenever he was putting on that camp. And, you know, I think he's, he's getting back into shape. No, I think Zion's problem is he's he spent a whole lot of time rehabbing and needed to get away from the team to do it for some of it. But, no, I don't I don't think – Zion is not at this point. Now, he's young. I don't know what he's going to be when he's older. But at this point, he doesn't strike me as a guy that wants to play basketball, like, all the time when he can. Strikes me as a guy that, you know – struggled with the fact that he couldn't get on the court, wanting to get back on the court. And they're like, no, you got to all these medical checks before you can. But you know they're about to offer him a max deal, right? That's fine. What they need to do is make sure there's not a player option in year five. That's what they need to do. Two-way street loyalty thing. Have a few insurance clauses in there, you know, for for injuries. But somebody's like, you should make it incentive-based, like – it's already incentive-based because of the Rose Rule, where he could hit certain clauses through the CBA, not the mm-hmm. team, that would qualify him for his next contract to be that much more. So you don't need any of that. Mm-hmm. You want to have a two-way street of trust, five years, no player option in the last year. 
and let's go. Yeah, hey, I want to. I want to ask you a question. It's kind of like unrelated, but it's related. Honest opinion, because I seen this argument on Twitter, and I was very intrigued by it. And I'm gonna ask you this, and don't be a prisoner of the moment, and don't be a super fan either. Who's better, Jason Tatum or Brandon Ingram? Probably right now, Jason Tatum. Probably right now. I think right I think Tatum is a better defender than Brandon Ingram. Okay, I, I give that you has that. Has to count for something. I give you that. I do not think he is. I, I, Tatum's offensive is high as Brandon Ingram's. Right. I mean, Ingram's offensive ceiling, I think, is legitimately one of the highest in the league, um, and it's it's gotten a little bit better each year. Right. Uh, I, I, you know, so I think he's the better offensive player overall. Tatum is really good on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ingram has improved some there, but he is. You wouldn't look at Ingram and be like really, really strong defender. Right. You wouldn't. Right. And and so I think that's why I would give the edge to to Tatum. But I mean, I, that doesn't mean that the answer to the question is going to be the same a year from now or two years right. from now because that. And and maybe Tatum because he he didn't have a great finals right and and I think he's probably a little overrated at the moment when first team All NBA he's the no he's he is not an MVP candidate right mm-hmm. now guys he's not he's not in the running to be one for that matter neither is Brandon Ingram um, but Tatum right now is overall probably a little better but it doesn't mean that he always will be because I I still think Ingram's. I think he has an offensive ceiling to be one of the best offensive players on the planet. I agree. Why would you? Why'd you say you're being serious right now? James is tired this morning, y'all. He's <laughs> nah, man. Let, just... Let's be let's let's be honest with everyone. James, as we're recording this, just got off of the night shift. All right. All right. He's working hard. What's the night shift? The hours for you? Five and five. Five so p.m. Five a.m. So you you've You've been off the night shift for a little while now. You just trying not to go to sleep? No, nah, man, I'm up. See, I mean, you seem that when you get tired, do you get does your fandom get even more irrational? No, it's always it stays irrational. Nah, nah, listen, this is who I am, man. Rain, sleet, or snow, tired. This is who I am. So you know, my answer has to be Brandon Ingram. <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I could not like. See. You didn't, I, you didn't ask me who I like more. Not because that I mean that's basically tied into no it's yes not. it is no, it's yes it is no it's not no yes it is no I cannot I cannot no it's physically not stop say. it stop who's better LeBron James or Brandon Ingram Brandon Ingram all right see now like, see there you go just being there is the James Butler we all know and some of us love uh, Brandon uh, Ingram man God. it's not even it's listen uh, Michael Jordan in his prime or Brandon that's, Ingram. that's not fair why Cause, why because Michael it? Jordan doesn't play anymore uh, so. So you telling me right now if the Lakers told you they'll swap right now? No, LeBron, LeBron, no LeBron, Okay, so I guess the answer is Brandon Ingram. No, no, it's not. It's not in a vacuum. LeBron's thirty-eight, isn't he? This can't. There, there cannot be any stipulations with this. You said that LeBron, LeBron, LeBron is James than, is currently a better player so than Brandon Ingram. So would you Ingram. switch him? No, absolutely not. Okay, so why not? If he's a better player, because you know why. You I, can't. I, don't know anything. I just said I don't know it's anything. not. It's not. It's that's not how sports works. I don't know anything. I just know works. I wouldn't I wouldn't make that trade. I wouldn't either. But if he's better then I feel like you should want to make that trade. No, if that's your that's argument. That's not that's why you would never be a GM. James. Why? Why wouldn't I? It's got to factor in age, salary, all of it. Listen, I'll be a great GM because I'll be a loyal GM. 
Mm. And my guys would be my guys. Really? Think about all the loyal GMs in sports history. Are there any? I'm not sure. But I'm just saying, Your like. Point, you, 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 no, uh, every GM is loyal to the owner. That's who they're loyal mm. to. That's their boss. Mm. GMs aren't supposed to be loyal to players. Why not? Because they're trying to do what's best for the team and the owner. I mean, and sometimes the player isn't what's best for the team in that moment. So what's Udonis Haslam? I mean, apparently he has some type of loyalty in the system. They could have used what does that. He have to do with a GM because because obviously the GM is loyal to him and the owner is loyal to him and Pat Riley is lo- you know everybody's loyal to him and he's part of the team even though he doesn't play but he's an important part. Just a coach with a, that's what with the loyalty the does. Coach with warm ups on. Okay, what well that that's what the loyalty does you, for the Miami. I like Heat. how you used one example of a guy that clearly has value. If Udonis Haslam had no value, he wouldn't be on the team. What's his value? He'd have value for him, whatever it is. Let me is. ask you this. If he, if he was on any other team but the Heat, would he still be in the NBA right now? Of course not. Okay. Of course not. So that's loyalty. It's, it's, he is, they're not doing it just for the heck of it. To, to, you're, what you're doing right now is you're actually insulting Udonis. How? You're insinuating that he doesn't do anything and they're just giving him money because they like him. Uh, basically. That's not true. He's basically. obviously bringing a Listen. lot into that locker room and the Heat culture that they Listen. always talk about. I think Jimmy Butler does a perfectly good job of bringing the Heat culture into the locker room. Listen, you don't need him anymore. That's not true. Okay, but listen, I'm not. Listen, I'm gonna advocate for this guy to get his money. Get his money. Get your money as long as possible. I love to see it, but I'm just saying they're loyal to him. The same way I'm gonna be loyal to my players. And I become so, if GM. you were a GM in basketball, you just have a team full of. Old guys that don't play. Nah, but I just know I never trade Brandon Ingram after he said, this is my city, you are a Pelican for life, I wouldn't trade friend. Brandon Ingram either. Ever. I, well, I mean, if he's... I don't care if he's 67. Yeah, no, at that point, you probably shouldn't have a... I'm gonna bust my shoes and then I'm gonna Welcome back into the great Scott show on a Wednesday tomorrow. Tomorrow's a show you're not going to want to miss. I got two former NFL fullbacks joining me at the same time. Two guys that were always following each other's career in a weird way. Terrell Smith, the fullback at Arizona State, number 44, drafted by the Saints, wore number 44. Mike Carney, fullback, Arizona State, wore number 44, drafted by the Saints, wore number 44, replacing Terrell at both spots when it happened. It is a, um, you know, I'm looking forward to talking to both guys. And we're going to have some fun. We're going to, old NFL stories, talk about how that position has evolved over the years, um, and, and just some other fun stuff, man. They've been guests in the past, friends of the program, guys that I, I text with and talk to here and there. And uh, guys, I respect the heck out of, man. Those dudes put themselves through a lot. And they're also just, they're, they're great interviews. They're great storytellers. They're real. That's what I like about both guys, man. They're just real. There's not, there's nothing put on. They're not coming on to try to sell something. Just being themselves. They want to hang out. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Don't miss it. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. College baseball, Texas A&M eliminated Notre Dame uh, yesterday, 5-1. to one. Arkansas crushed Auburn 
Uh, I think it was nine to one was the final. Anyway, uh, A&M, they get another shot at Oklahoma, but they got to beat them twice. And I'm here to tell you, it's not going to happen because Oklahoma, the team that I picked to win the college world series when it got started in Omaha is on the brink. And then Arkansas, Ole Miss, that'll be fun. I know Ole Miss beat them already, but I, I think, look, they're playing it. I think you're going to have them playing Friday as well. I think this thing is going to go a little bit. But a lot of signs are pointing to an Ole Miss-Oklahoma final. Arkansas have something to say about it. Well, and have something to say about it. You know, you got your last four standing here in late June. That's going to do it for today, though. Big thanks. Big thanks to James Butler coming in, coming in early. To all of you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow on the Great Scott Show. Mike Carney, Terrell Smith scheduled to join me. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. The Dan Patrick Show is next. James. Why? You know, if you like, yeah, give him a little team ambassador role. Welcome him into the front office somehow. After know, he said, This is my city wants to. for life. Okay. <laughs> All I would do is get a contract from you, run out, and be like, This is my city. <laughs> like, I'm sick. That's all you have to do. I'm going to be up be riding this bench for another 50 years. That's all you have to do, man. And Jose for life. Let me hit that corner three. Hey, man. Speaking of corner threes, you think you hit one right now? Not corner. If me and you went against each other. If we, if we had a free throw shooting contest right now, I'd smoke you. Are you serious yeah, right I'd now? Yeah, I'd smoke you. I'd smoke you. I can hit the free throws all day. So threes is not your thing? Well, I'm not saying they're not my thing, but I, I would probably need to warm up a little. Yeah, I got you. Corner threes are not. Straight away, maybe. But, I mean, dude, you're stronger than me. You've got, so got more length. I don't even have to lift my legs to like shoot a free throw. Just little knee bend. Just listen. That's I got some shots up yesterday for the first time in years. Did you make any of them? Oh yeah, I made my free throws. I did. I made my free throws. Why? Like, can I ask? Like, why is that? Like the only like? No, it's not the only one. I just say you know. I I know, but when I imagine you playing basketball, for some reason. Like I thought you was like this wizard that's like just like who says shifty, I'm not? shifty. You haven't seen and me you move. like you know you can shoot, spot shoot. But now since you said like the free throw thing, coming off of a I'm pick, guessing, I'll, I'll hit it. Now I'm guessing like maybe 
Mm, you can't drive. Mid range. Like, oh, I can. I, I can drive and finish. Great it's contact. Like, it's like, like Kyrie, like how Kyrie <laughs> finishes. Speaking of Kyrie, man, how many how many franchises is he gonna ruin? Go and ruin the Lakers. Go over there and ruin them. Didn't work out in Brooklyn, did it? How you think? Didn't here's work my out question. Yeah. How do you think Kevin Durant feels about that though? Because I came here for you. Because you told me to come here. Because I think I, I, I. Who knows? I think Kevin Durant's just mad. He's still mad that Golden State won it all. I would be too. But they never needed Durant to win titles, right? That's a fact, right? You know I mean, and that's always going to eat away at him a little bit. And they rubbing it in his face too, and I love it. Play basketball, man. Did you see the whole thing with Draymond Green and uh, John Moran? I love it. I wish it was one of us that was doing that talking trash. I wish it was like. Maybe Herb getting on social media and talking Herb. to Herb's trash. the quietest guy in the league. He I know, do but that. I'm just saying. I just wish that Jose was would. But they're not there yet. Pelicans, they need to get, get in a little playoff series with them, get feisty. Right. Leave it out there. The yeah. draft is uh draft is tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. What where you think they're going? Guard, center? Uh I don't know. Power forward. Shooting. Dyson Daniels, maybe. Dang. Thoroughly. I think they're going to trade back. I think that's what the Pelicans are going to do. I think they're going to trade back. Why did you just look at me like For what? you were mad? I, just, I think they're going to trade back, acquire some assets. I don't I don't know. They'll probably have a board, and once two or three guys, if they're off of it, they're trading back. They're not going to reach for somebody. Hmm. That was suck. I mean, they found some good players in some later rounds, you know. I mean, later rounds, later picks. It wasn't like Trey Murphy was a lotto pick last year. Herb Jones, second round, Alvarado. I mean, I, I think whatever they do, they're going to trust in their scouting again. And if the guys that they have high up or off the board, they'll move back and they'll find – they've probably got some guys they are like, look, we could take this guy. He's probably not going to be as high on everyone's board, so we need to wait on him or wait on him. What do you think um, Kyra Lewis fits next year with, with everything? I don't know. I don't know. I, he, he could possibly be on the move. It's something else. Right. But I, I I do think having another point guard, because, like, is McCollum going to be your starting point guard and then Jose and then that's it? Like, I, I think I think Kyra's – I think he's on the team next year. I think Devontae Graham is somebody that could right. be on the move. But I, I think between the two, Kyra's easier to ship because the team can say – Boy, there's some upside here. He got hurt, but he's he's this age. He can run the point, and he's not he's not on a contract that's going to cost us money, right? I, 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 does Graham still have that value to where you can ship him? But I think ideally they wouldn't mind getting Graham's numbers off the books. Not that they don't like the guy, but this roster is about to get really really expensive. I didn't like the way Graham played on the latter part of the playoffs. The latter, well, the reality is. Once McCollum got there, Graham did not play well. Mm-hmm. He didn't. Um, if you watch the team the whole season, he wasn't bad early in the season. All right. You know, he made some game winners, but he, it was like when he got taken out of the starting lineup, he had a few moments here or there that were good, but overall it was like it was hard to depend on him. Um, late in the season and then in the playing games and then in the postseason, and they kept going to him and – I think that's that's tough. But, I mean, come on. 
I mean, that you're a loyal guy, James. You said it. I mean, he immediately embraced New Orleans, the state, all that stuff. So you're only loyal to, to you're only you're only loyal to a point, right? I mean, when it's time to go, it's time to go. Oh man. wait, wait, what? You, what? So oh, you're only go, loyal to, to superstars? No, I'm not. That's not true. The guy, the guy said nothing but great things, That's loving fine. the city, all and that. We appreciate it. Well, Thank you. You are. You are. I, all right. I I'm starting it. to think maybe you could be. I, I'm starting to think I'm this saying, is all I just a, a, GM, a cutthroat. Man. This is just an act. Yeah, man. I could be a GM. You, you like know? to move the goalposts as to what loyalty is. No, I don't. No, I don't. Just, Why do I have you, to be loyal to him? You just. Yeah, well, you'd say brace the city. So this is great. So who stuff. had a big impact on the city? Him or Brandon Ingram? Oh, Brandon Ingram, clearly. Exactly, so that's why I said what I said. No, you said Brandon he, Ingram said, this is my city, and, and it's exactly. great. No, it's because Brandon Ingram's good. But he said this is my – did did Devontae Graham ever this say all, this is Is that all he has to do? That's all he got to say. He has okay. to embrace all right, it. All right, all right. As long as he, he says that, no, he did embrace it. it to the fullest <laughs> extent. He'd be a terrible GM. Joe. How? Sorry. Listen, one of the requirements for me to keep you as a GM is if you embrace this city to the fullest extent. Jose was out. In a local club in New Orleans after he signed this contract. Mm-hmm. You know what that said to me? I have to be loyal to this guy. Contract for life. This is, you You are, you just treat everything. Alvin like, Kamara, like contract a for life. Treats everything like a fan. What about when the owner's like, you have to cut salary. I'm not spending a luxury tax on a team with a bunch of guys that are in their 50s. We can't compete. What are you going to do? Well, maybe I need the coach at I that don't point. think you <laughs> I don't think you would last very long. As maybe, I think, maybe I, I think the owner would be like, ah, he's kind of being a little, just taking way too many liberties with this this money and this spending. Or what if they? What, what about the first time they come to you and they're like, James, per CBA, this trade can't go through. It's against the rules. What would, would you say? I mean, I'd be like, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> oh, <that> mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes, being live via that is James Butler. My friend, former Rage Cajun and NFL wide receiver, Jimmy James. So this song is called Jimmy James. Wow, that's cool. You go Jimmy by James. Jimmy, you go by James. Yeah. J Butt. Jimmy B. Does anyone call you J Butt? Nope. J Butt. Nope. Is in the house. You're the only person that does that. J Butt. <laughs> I don't do Jimmy that. B is what they call me. Jimmy B. Jimmy James taking us out. We'll be back in a few. Saints minicamp in the books last week. And uh, we'll also talk about a former teammate of James who passed away last week. Don't go anywhere. It's the great Scott show on a Wednesday. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
Welcome back into the great sky. James Butler having a conversation previously recorded with us here this morning on a uh, Wednesday. Comes right in just talking about Aaron Rodgers and then proving to everyone why James will never be a GM. But what I respect about it is that no matter what, you're just still going to be a fan to the core. Even after we had that deep discussion about the humanity and, and that side of sports, you were agreeing with me, and then I brought up Anthony Davis's name, and then immediately you just threw it all yeah, out the window. I'm done. I'm done with that. I can't. I can't, bro. I can't. Seriously, man. Like, what he did was just the, – the, and I hate to bring this up, but the thing that I don't understand out of all of this is your wife is literally from New Orleans. Like, I don't get it, but it's not for me to get. I just keep my distance. Never, never – Never sent out that Instagram post he promised. Huh? What I said I was gonna do, I forgot. He said, he said, no, no, him. He said, talked about whenever he, whenever he hadn't been traded yet, but it was really awkward and it was that rough second half of that season. He's like, yeah, it's gonna be great. I'm gonna send him a thank you note on Instagram, and I just need to get somewhere else. And, yeah, Can't stand the guy, man. Seriously. Then when I seen that picture when he was in the Smoothie King Arena with them jeans, shorts, and that long. Sweater and socks and what are you even talking those about? Those glasses. When he came back, when the uh, when he was hurt, and the Lakers played the Pelicans, and he was just sitting on the bench, and there was a picture of him like standing up with some like like looking awkwardly. I mean, he's one of the greatest players in the history of the franchise. Says who? It's fact. No, he's not. Who is who is a great player that played for the Saints that you can't stand? There is none. Really? Once you play for the Saints, to me, you have an automatic, like, I automatically have love for you, no matter so what you, you do. So Brandon Browner or Darren Sharper, you love those guys? Wow, that's a good, that's a, why would you do this to me, man? Well, you know, they're in prison. Why would you do this to me? You know what? I'm glad you brought that up. Because Brandon Browner, no. No. I don't know why they even did that. Like, why they even signed this, this guy? Terrible. This is terrible. It was one of the worst. Why did they do that? One of the worst free agent signings ever. And he clowned Saints fans about how much money he took from the team. He was he was not, uh, he was just kind of letting them hear it. Eli Apple, another one. Oh, yeah, see? Can't he called out. That's right. He called out. I mean, come on, you just said once you're a Saint. I think I really now, fight. Eli Apple's not really, you know, he's not a. Was a I think I really fight Eli Apple if I seen him in the street somewhere. I think I would. Seriously. You would just fight him? Yeah, I think I would. But, like, you, I mean, come on. You, you, This is off-duty, right? No. Off-duty, on-duty, doesn't matter. You just put your career in jeopardy? Nah, you just get but, one nah, good I'm shot playing, in? I'm playing, I'm playing. <laughs> nah, man. But For those that can't see, when James starts grinning as he talks, I'm waiting for him to break character. That's what I'll call it. And then he finally, every now and then he finally does. <laughs> nah, man. But, yeah, so the list goes, Brandon Browner. Eli Apple, Darren Sharper, of course. That that has to be the three. But see, when you ask me that question, those, those they don't come to mind because it's like we kind of already done away with them in a sense. But it's sharper different reasons than the others. Um, you know, there, there's look, there there isn't a a comp a proper comp for Anthony Davis 
and 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 the Saints because there was like Dave. I think Dave is you know one one of the best players in franchise history. I still think Chris Paul was like the best to this point. Now that's at some point going to change because this new era has got some some something really yeah. special working. Yeah. Uh, but Davis is you know maybe number two, and at some point will not be in my mind. But how he left, the way it unfolded. If he just doesn't say anything publicly and gets trophies and it's it's viewed very differently and everything's kind of hunky-dory and whatever and it's all this nice stuff. But there's not really a – I can't think of a guy that was like an absolute star for the Saints and then like wanted to leave and then just said a bunch of bad stuff. Like right. That just – it didn't – it never happened. Right. Right. And you know, football, basketball, it's just different, man. But 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 – to the Saints' defense, like the culture of the Saints has been really awesome for the last it's been couple good years. since post Katrina. It yeah. was not so, great before that. It wasn't. Right. It was, right. and then there was, you know, obviously before both of us were born, it was really bad. And yeah. then it kind of had some pocket success here and there. But even, you know, even in the Haslett era, and talking to some guys that played for him, there was a lot of talent on that team. And some years the locker room was good and together, and other years it was it was not. Right. Um, it's the, the Saints do have a great culture, but let's not act like it's been like that forever. Right. But like I said, you have to have guys that like genuinely enjoy playing with each other to have any type of success. Because a large part of the game is. Communicating. I, I mean, the Bulls dynasty. There were some guys on that team. They. They did not like Michael. But you want they feared him though. They did not like Dennis. But they feared him though. They so kind of Mike... like Scotty. They did like Scotty. A lot of them did like Scotty. Uh, MJ will tell you otherwise, but a lot of those guys yeah. really like Scotty. Yeah, but I mean they feared him though. That's yeah, but the that, I don't, no, okay, okay, but my my point is you don't necessarily have to all like each other to make it work. Right, but everyone agreed that they didn't like Michael. So basically, the team was together, just not him. I don't know. I see. I think. Listen. I think Tony Robichaux said it best. I think in mo. I think chemistry can make an average team great or a great team average. Right. Or or average team good and a good team average. You can make a good team great or a good team average. Right. There are examples here and there of of teams that just have made it work. I think it helps. Like I think that if Shaq and Kobe had had good chemistry, they had to stay together and won so many more titles. Right. They couldn't stand. Couldn't stand it, and then Shaq gets traded to Miami, and it just it, it it just it didn't. That team to say that they loved each other and that team was always getting along. No, they did not, and they still managed to win three titles. But at that's, some that's point, different, though. Yeah, but at some point, talent just it's if you have the right coach and the right talent, you can you can get past. You, how do I put it? You can still find good chemistry. On the floor, on the field, without all having to be genuinely enjoy being with one. But another. that's different. I think though. it helps if you if the guys like each other, but it doesn't but guarantee different. anything. It's different for the different sports, though. With football, like because it's a it's a struggle of like whose team is it with Shaq and Kobe. It's like, are you the leader or am I the leader? Well, we're gonna duke it out till we figure out who the leader is. With football, it's like it's already understood who the leader is. It's the quarterback. Case closed. So I feel like with football, it's more of a thing where the team has to be 
like one big unit and they have to all like be close to really be successful. So you're talking strictly about football. No, I'm when well, you say yeah, when yeah, you because, say you to win it all, you got to have a team that genuinely enjoys being around one another. Yeah, cuz basketball you like you can have two guys. I think I think, two or I, three think guys. I think in football and baseball it does. I think in basketball it helps, but it ain't the normal right, end all. Cuz right. you can look at dynasties where it was like, eh, you know, I don't think those guys all were crazy about each other. Because it's, in football it's like we it's already understood who the leader of the team is. When the Saints had Drew Brees, it's Drew Brees every year. Whatever Drew Brees says, it goes. Everybody fall in line after that. With the Shaq and Kobe thing, it's like, which one do we listen to? Do we listen? Or to? those guys aren't getting along, and now we can feel it. Yeah, it's we're like, kind of feeling it in practice, and so now we're taking sides. Yeah, and so now it's, like, it's you know, now it's not you know, but some teams make it. I mean, I mean, Shaq, Kobe, MJ. You're talking about all time yeah. greats. They All-time said, greats. They said Shaq might be out of the top ten now. Now that Steph did what he did, oh, do you agree God. with that? I don't. I, I I don't like those discussions. I mean, they're fine. I just feel like we. You mentioned being a prisoner of the moment. Like right. let's let's just wait a little while and see where Steph falls. You could get so. There are times where I watch Steph Curry, and I've I've said for years, even before he won his first title, I think he's the best shooter of all time. You said so. You yeah, called that you absolutely. Called that. Well, I, I didn't call. I mean, at that point, he was shooting incredibly. But I was like, I think he's the best shooter of all time. And then he went on, and he's won four titles since then. And people say, well, in a different area, he couldn't have done. It. And it's like you're not wrong. But he doesn't play in a different area. He plays in this one, and I think he's the best shooter we've seen. There were some great shooters in the day. That heck, Steve Kerr was a great shooter. Del Kerr was a great shooter. Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. You know, and and he could create and do different stuff, but it was at a time, Reggie Miller's better than Kerr and Del. My point is they, the eras that they played in, it just, it was a different kind of game. Um, what Steph Curry did in his era, what he's done in his era, it's remarkable, but you know, Mount Rushmore talks and where he falls on an all time list. Like I, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait a little while and, and see what comes next. I don't want to just get caught up in what just happened. I think, it certainly, when you discuss Steph, puts him in a different category, and I don't think winning a Finals MVP really had much to do with that. I think that was such an overplayed storyline. Good for him, and he uses his motivation, but it doesn't make me view him any different in terms right. of his greatness because he got that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I Steph's to have Steph and Clay and all time great shooters in this era and the three point era, if you want to call it that. That's it's a pretty nice thing to well, have. People don't realize how important Draymond is to that team, too. I think I think people do. I think people like to bag on Draymond, and when people are like, "Well, he wouldn't do that if he was in Sacramento," it's like you're right. He's not in Sacramento. He's in, <laughs> yeah. he's in he's in Golden State, and he's such a big part of what they do and the glue that yeah. kind of holds it together. Even though he kind of turned into Ben Simmons for a little while there, where he's just afraid to shoot. Let me just play defense to get assists. Yeah, I don't blame him, but I actually respect that though because it, it takes. It takes like a real like a, a student of the game to really understand. Like, listen, I'm not scoring, but I need to do whatever it takes to help my team win. So let me go ahead and ball out on defense. Let me go ahead and be a pest to, you know, Tatum and Brown. Let me let me let me do the most that I can, and that's what he did. So I, I actually respect that man. Like, because anybody else would have been like, no, I'm gonna shoot. Like, I'm gonna keep shooting. Who talked the most trash on your UL teams? Like on the field? Oh, yeah. All the time. 
Just never stop talking. Offense and defense. I, it didn't it have to be on the field. On the field, off the field. Just give me one player. doesn't matter. <laughs> Probably Javon Lawson. Really? Yeah. That's that's funny you say that because I remember interviewing Javon and I was like doing the word association game with him. And I got to him and he. I think one year he's like an okay football player. And another year he said humble. Yeah. And then you're telling me, oh, no, he was. Yeah. No, nah, he really was. He really was he humble. But he's just. He let you know, man. I, I got so many Javon Lawson stories, man. I, I honestly think that's the best receiver that I've ever like. That dude just don't understand. I, I think he knows, but like, being a young guy coming up behind him, it's like that dude was incredible. How man. big was he? Like six foot. Yeah, he. I didn't even. He didn't like, even feel that tall. He went. I always was. I always said, man, if he had had. Jamal Robinson's size, like but it's Javon not even that because I could tell you something a lot of people don't know. So remember when he went to the Cardinals, and as a free agent, there's a guy who went to Harmville, who I'm still cool with to this day. He actually was on the Cardinals roster for some years before Javon got there. What was there. his name? Leron Bird. Okay. And Leron actually told me he he said the coaching staff loved. Javon, like, loved him. Like, Bruce Arians loved him. Like, they were, like, he so was, like, happened? he got hurt. So his Achilles. And that was it. They didn't want to and bring then, him back after No, that. they brought him back, and then he tore his other one. So. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. God, that's tough, man. So, but Leron was, like, listen, there's no doubt that he was going to make the team. He said this guy was always open. He always, like, he was just unstoppable virtually like he said this guy was amazing that's tough and he said every time he looked up like Javon was open and the coaching staff was just like wow like just an amazement he said he was gonna make the team that's yes. why after he tore his Achilles they brought him back and then he tore his other one and then he tore his other one jeez that's brutal what's he doing now I think he's in Houston somewhere well uh, while we're on that we can be serious for a minute. You know, I've talked to a number of people about it. Brad McGuire, another former teammate of yours. Yeah, man. He uh, he passed away tragically last week in a, uh, a single vehicle accident. We've talked about it on the air. Gerald Broussard was on yesterday. He was sharing stories. And, you know, I, it, it, seeing how his teammates reacted, I know Brad was a, an ER doctor now, married, four-year-old son. Um, it's very, very tragic, very sad. What was it like? What was he like as as a teammate? Man, I have a couple stories with Brad on the field and off the field, actually. And I'm going to start with the most, like, just to try to show how his personality was. Like, just to shed light on that. And I remember my true freshman year, um, this was when, you know, we were terrible. But West Kentucky having won the game in, like, 26 games. Oh, yeah. And they come over here and they I just remember. beat the snot out of us. It was bad. Yeah, it was bad. And Brad was a quarterback, and he didn't play the entire game. Now, at this point, like I said, I'm a true freshman. The score is like 56 to like, I don't even know if we even scored. And he gets in the game, and he gets in the huddle, and he's talking to us as if like we're about to go in for the game-winning score. And i never forget, it made me feel like, Maybe this isn't that bad, like, honestly. Because he was like, yeah, man, come on. Let's go over here. We're going to drive the ball. He was so positive, man. It was like, 
wow. He wasn't negative. He wasn't like, oh, now the coaches want to put me in now that we getting out yeah. behind kicked. He was like, no, nah, let's go in there. We're going to you know, make some plays. We're going to move the ball. And I was just so in awe at that, being a freshman. Like, I was just like, man, this guy's really cool. And like, like, but that's what you, that's what we needed to hear. And sure enough, we drove the ball down the field. Now, of course, it didn't mean anything, but just having that but type it of energy. It, it, you know, it, it didn't mean anything in the, in terms of that game's right, outcome, but it right. meant something. And it was like just having that energy. So then we fast forward to the Ohio game. When we go to Ohio, and now he's a starting quarterback. And I think he threw for like, what, 300 yards or something like that? Something he threw. And he was just like, he was playing, and, and if you made a mistake, he was never, like, just on you. He was positive all the time. Everyone on the team loved the dude. Loved him. Like, I, I, I Honestly, I don't think I've ever seen the guy upset. I don't think I've ever seen him, like, with a frown on his face. He was always so positive, always cool, a genuine person, authentic. Like, I, I just, we used to always joke because me and Boris used to, like, we used to, we had this running joke with people where like if that's a story, me and Boris would say, Oh, it sounds lucrative. But lucrative doesn't mean like lucrative means like money making or profitable. But we would say sounds lucrative to try to get people to see if they knew what it meant or if they like was just yeah, yeah, very lucrative or you something just like mess that. With people. So, <laughs> so we did it to Brad and Brad was like What? Say that again. <laughs> Do y'all know what that means? He was like, what? say that again? It was like, it's a joke, Brad. Like, it's a joke. Like, you know what I'm saying? He, and he just started laughing. So, like, that was our thing. Like, until he left, we would always be like, sounds lucrative. And that, that was just our thing. And, like, I just remember when he stopped playing and he, you know, was a coach and was, like, helping Brad us and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and man, that dude, I honestly have never seen him upset. Never. God bless him, man. Uh, and when you say Boris, for those listening, that's James Butler. He's talking about his former teammate, Boris and Yama, who uh, were, uh, you mentioned something earlier that you were upset with Boris. Well, we're we're going to circle back to that, but uh, we're on a serious topic at the moment. And, um, you know, Brad McGuire, I, his senior year when they started him at H-back right out the gate, he really, and I know he did a little bit of H-back his last year under Bustle, but under HUD it was like, look, we're going to use you. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the Taysom Hill role, right? No one mm-hmm. knew Taysom Hill was at the right. time. Years right. later, but think of the guy that was like, we're, "We're gonna we're gonna play him all over the place." I remember a lot of those goal to go situations from mm-hmm. a yard out, like give it. Yeah, he had put on you know a lot of mass at that point. Yeah. I mean, he was just tough as hell, man. But, remember uh, the pass he threw in the New Orleans Bowl, mm-hmm. the fake punt? Yeah, oh, amazing! Right on the money too. It's like, how do you do that, man? Was that That's- to Bentley? Yeah, yeah, and he threw it right on the money, right on the money. Because he was a quarterback, that's why. I know, but it's like, when the last time you threw a pass, man? If we in the biggest moment for you to throw it perfectly, like because it had to be perfect. Because if anything was off, it wouldn't have worked, and we may not have won that game. You know what I'm saying? Huge moment. So he probably one of the bigger moments in that first nose bowl that gets forgotten. Oh yeah, definitely. Like that was a. Like, shout out to her for having the guts to call that. But shout out to Brad for, like, throwing the ball perfectly. Because if it would happen any other way, I don't think we win that game. And you're right. That 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 play doesn't get a lot of credit as far as the bowl game goes. <clears throat> All right. We're going to take a timeout talking about Brad McGuire. We'll come back. James is uh, 
James is upset at Dr. Boris and Yama. You might think this discussion's going somewhere sports-wise. We'll, we'll figure out a way to tie it in. But, you know, James is that at that age now where, you know, he has a lot of friends that are either married or getting married. I'm sure, you know, people are waiting to see what he does. But... There's Speaking. some there's some etiquettes that come with like you know when you're when you're having a wedding and asking people to be in it and their stages in life and I don't know man you seem a little seem a little chapped <laughs> we're gonna get in yeah, all that man. next don't go anywhere it's the great Scott show I'm Scott Prather that is former Ridge Cajun and NFL wide receiver James Butler this is ESPN Lafayette the best ticket in sports. Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather on a Wednesday morning. Recorded a little earlier with our friend James Butler, who uh, just got off a long night shift. James is always opinionated, and right now he's trying to be a good friend. So you're, you're, I, I let me let me start over. There was a time in my life where like. I was at a bunch of weddings. Mm-hmm. Jay Walker would always make fun of me. He'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. You're just taking another weekend off because of a wedding. I'm like, I'm legitimately like in a <laughs> wedding, Jay. He's like, yeah, sure. We used to have an employee that, you know, had like 18 ants that died. Sure. You can look it up. I mean, I, and then he went to my wedding and realized I had, you know, 11 groomsmen mm-hmm. and four ushers and a best man. And he's like, okay, I guess you are in a lot of weddings. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> You, I mean, you've been in a few, right? I right. mean, you were in John Broussard's wedding, former UL player, Gerald Broussard's son. Boris was in that wedding, Boris and Yama, former Raging Cajun receiver who then played, um, what, linebacker his senior year. and He's getting married, but, like, I, I, I caught from Gerald a little bit. He was talking about something in Canada, but then there's, yeah. like, another wedding somewhere else, so he's in multiple weddings. Yeah. Now, you're in the wedding party? Both yes, and both of them in Canada and Houston. So, so you have I have two, no choice. You have yeah. two destination weddings. Yep. I mean, you don't get to take a lot of time off in your line of work. Listen, I I had to take off. I had to put in my leave request fairly early to be able to go. Did they say, "Oh, you're in two different weddings"? You're like, kind of. Well, actually, the one, the one in Houston, I'm off, like without you know what I'm saying, without, okay. having, without having to take off. So. And you can actually drive to that one. Right. You can drive to, but, to, to, yeah. to Montreal. The one in Montreal, I, I had to take some stuff. Like that. But, yeah, man, like, first of all, this is the, well, John's wedding was a little different because 
It was in Lafayette. You didn't have to pay for, pay for travel. All you had to do was pay for the tux and maybe a little thing here and there. That's, and that's fun. It. That's fun. But it's this, an honor, right? This guy, Boris, man. This man got us paying for flights. Then you got to pay for the tux. Then you got to pay for the hotel. Then you got to do the transportation, all this stuff. Then come back and then do the same thing in Houston. How, how long after? September, November. So, like, I, you know, I know that, like, an Indian wedding, if someone in that culture is getting married to someone that's not Indian, they'll have two weddings. Right. Like, my brother-in-law is Indian. They had a wedding at Jefferson Island, and then a few months later there was kind of a reception-type thing mm-hmm. in Houston, and I had to wear some Indian garments. And then my wife's side of the family, her brother married Indian, kind of same thing, but mm-hmm. they did the other one. It wasn't two. It was just they mixed it into one ceremony. Mm-hmm. But is there some – like, why two? Is who's is Boris getting married to someone from another country? Yeah, so his wife is – it's from um, well, her her parents are from Egypt. Well, she's from Egypt. They're from Egypt, and then they moved to Canada. I think when she was younger, oh, she was born like first generation from Canada. So that's why the the that part is in Canada, and then the one we're doing in Houston is Nigerian based. You know, with the garments and everything, it's gonna be pretty cool. But so I you're have gonna to be say, wearing some yeah. So a tux in Canada, and then. Yep. You know, that, that'll be the Egyptian side of it. And then Boris's side, you're going to be wearing some Nigerian garb. Right. So I, this is an interesting thing <clears throat> that I talked to Boris about. So I asked him, I said, I said, Boris, so you got us doing all of this, at least at the reception, is it at least open bar? I mean, that's the least you can do. That's you the least you can do. You spend a lot of do. money. It's the least you can do. You know what he told me? He said, no. He said, it's going to be free drinks for about an hour and after which you have to pay he said because her parents doesn't want anyone to be like embarrassing and i said listen it's already too late like i'm pretty sure yeah i mean i'm gonna go in there with a bottle jimmy james butler is in the wedding we talked about it's on for years already (laughs) so what's about to happen it's like it's already in the making man i already apologized to her i already said listen i'm sorry (laughs) There's a video somewhere of me and Boris at John's wedding, like just acting crazy that he refuses to show us for whatever reason. I think he's, I think John is holding that mm-hmm. for some type of like, just, you know, just to embarrass us, which I'm not going to be embarrassed because I'm just, you know, we was having a good time. But yeah, but what you might remember might be, you know, it might look different on video. Listen, I was in what's happening in your mind was probably different than what was happening in reality. I was inebriated. Boris was inebriated. <laughs> we were talking on camera. We were saying something. And I said, John, just send it to me. He said, there's no way I'm going to send you this. And so I think what? he's holding it for something. Where? I don't know. So what? What you said you were upset with Boris. Is it just, is it, so it's the open bar thing? It, it's it's mainly, I, okay. I mean, so I, I, I like his, get, So his wife lives in Canada. He's originally from Houston. Like it's. I get that. But Boris, like at least like let the drinks be free. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the that's the least you can. That's do. an expensive wedding to be in. I know. At least have the drinks be free. But I said, okay, that's fine. I'll make sure that I go make a run before you know sneak something. So in. when when are these weddings? September. The Canada one is September, and then the Houston one is in November. See, that's I mean, he's having weddings during football season. I know. 
That's what I figured you were going to be upset about. No, I'm not upset about that because this is my best friend, you know? Really? But I am going to take your advice. See, when it's my turn, oh, yeah, he's got to. You got to make him your best man, and you got to be like, look, you're in charge of booking the bachelor party. I mean, you, oh, yeah. Every, it's, time to, it's time for me to collect that bill. See, it couldn't be me because he has multiple brothers. Sure. So it couldn't be sure. me. So I dodged that bullet. But it's when definitely going to be you get married, it's like Dr. and Yama. You, you go oh, yeah, ahead and book this and, and, and you take care of me. You know what? Two weddings, I'm going to do two bachelor parties. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be him. So I hope he's ready. Ian, Ian Thompson is also in the wedding. Really? Yeah, Ian Thompson's in it. Like you said, John Bruce is in it. I'm in it. And I think the rest is groomsmen are his brothers. And then I think that's it. So we're gonna have a good time, man. We're just everybody's gonna be wearing some Nigerian garb, and yep. Ian and John might stand out in that. Yep, yep. But it'd be pretty cool, man. I man, and I think on a serious note, though, how cool is that? That you have friends that like that you love and love you so much that they're willing to like basically it's be awesome. a part of your culture yeah and like it's it's not weird not it's not it's not like, like i talked to ian thompson and he is like overly excited to wear like the nigerian guy like he don't even want to talk about the canadian one about the houston one because he's so excited to like just be a part of that culture and i think that's so cool that's awesome I think that's so cool to have, man, especially, you know, with everything going on today. So, I think that's tight. Let me ask you something else then. There was a couple that went a little viral two weeks ago mm-hmm. because they they informed the guests that were coming to their wedding that there would not be food. And, you know, I, I don't know if, like, there might have been food available. You'd have to pay for I'm not sure. There would not be food because... They were a big Disney couple, mm-hmm. and they had spent their money, a lot of money, on a Mickey and Minnie, I don't want to say impersonator, I guess people in Mickey and Minnie outfits, like mm-hmm. I guess they work for Disney. They had rented them for 30 minutes, and that that ate up their food budget. And it, some somehow or another, this thing went viral. It was like on social media, and mm-hmm. people were commenting on it, and people were upset, and it's like... It's their wedding. Like, I yeah, you, if you're going to be there all day, it is nice to have some food. I, I'm, I, I get it. It depends. It's, it depends. But it's, 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 their, it's their wedding. What, I, what, I, what struck me, James, is like, how much money did you – you couldn't have negotiated more time with Mickey and Minnie? Like 30 minutes each, so that's like one hour collectively, and you yep. spent an entire food budget for a wedding on that? Yep. Like, Just have someone go rent an outfit and pretend to be them. But but they were like, oh, but that's just not authentic. Someone in a costume. Like, you can right. pay me. I'll put right. on a Mickey suit. Right. Oh, oh, boy. Oh, oh I'll <laughs> walk around. So, that you know, maybe they just didn't have a lot to begin with. They're like, we can't really afford food, but we have this much. I, I'd like to think that, but who knows? I mean, Disney, they're... They're really good at taking your money. But that's cool if the couple is from Lafayette and most of the guests are in Lafayette and they say we're not going to have food. Then, okay, cool. So your thing is if but it's a destination where yeah, you like, better no, no. Don't make me come like to a different country. And, well, I don't know if that's where it was. And I can't even have like free drinks, man. Like, come on, man. I'm, I'm like, we're paying a lot of money here. So now I got to pay for drinks. But, you know. According to him, he said, hey, man, happy wife, 
happy life. All right, here's here's uh, here's something off of from a few weeks ago. Internet loses. <laughs> this is from NBC News. Internet loses its mind over a couple who said they had Minnie and Mickey at a wedding instead of food. One Reddit user wrote, I love Disney, but damn, you are rude. <laughs> um, someone wrote, uh, my fiance and I just got married two months ago. We had our dream wedding. Uh, a huge Disney fan said the cost to have both Minnie and Mickey for a good chunk of time, 30 minutes, was almost exactly what our parents allotted for our catering budget. So we scheduled an appearance during our first dance. <laughs> so, <laughs> and were they dancing to the MIC? Like, what was their wet Anyway, um, their first dance and our wedding photos foregoing served food, though there were plenty of facilities at the venue where people could eat. So they would, they oh, would okay. go buy their food. Um, the post ended up getting removed from the by moderators because it it created too many crazy reactions. Um, there was someone that uh, was claiming that it might be it might have been fake. Um, it circulated all across social media, and then it turned out that it, was, it was in fact real. Yeah, and you know. Uh, my thing is, the bride said on Reddit, oh, this is what I was looking for, James. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> the bride said on Reddit it cost about $2,750 per 30-minute session with Mickey and Minnie. They hired the Disney characters on two days. She clarified in later comments that the actors joined my husband and I as well as our photographer for a private lunch. Is it that serious, though? That's just a lot of money for an impersonator. But that's a. It must not have been a big wedding, you know, because twenty seven hundred fifty. I'm not trying to say that's chunk change, but if you have a big wedding, that ain't co- that ain't coming yeah, close to covering a catering right. budget. So it's a small wedding party. That's my assumption. And they, I'm sure, if it's a small wedding party, they probably knew that these people were like obsessed with this. <laughs> So the only people upset about this probably weren't the people that win. They're probably just people on right. the internet that are like, I want to go eat my free food. You know how that is. You know how that is. What if Boris was like, hey, James, we're not going to have an open bar and we're not going to feed you because I got, I got, you know, Goofy and, 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 and Donald and Daisy showing up here. Listen, no matter what he says, I have to go. But listen, so I want to say this because I think this, I have to clear this up. I didn't like I didn't bring up the open bar thing to him because I know who made that decision and I know that's out of his control. So it's like I I didn't even bring it up cuz I was like, uh, I get it. I get it, man." So you asked him about it? Yeah, and he was like <laughs> I said the first hour. And he was like, "So someone you think someone made that decision because they're just worried about what you're going to do?" No. I I know he told me why they made the decision because her parents are more like they don't want people getting crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. Do they know me? Not yet. I think they're in for a rude awakening on what I'm going to do. <laughs> I think they're for. I'm not going to. But, man, like like I told him and like I told her, too, because she don't want me to give a speech because she's like she don't want me she's to embarrass nervous. her. She's nervous. And I told her, her name is Yvette, and I said, Yvette, listen, 
this is years in the making. Oh yeah, there's nothing you can no, do. It's time. It's time for boards to. It's time to pay the piper. It's nothing you can do about like what's gonna happen. I, 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 we had a good time at John's wedding. Now it has swung, and now it's Boris's turn. So it's now me, me and John have to, you know, have funny videos made of us being drunk and saying things that we don't know what we said, and we talking on the microphone. And it's crazy. I need John to show me that video, man. If you, if you would see it without the audio, you would like. <laughs> I want him to send it to me. I'm just gonna put it on Twitter. Yeah, man, you need to. I see. I'm not embarrassed by that because I don't know what we were saying, but he refuses to send it to me. But he just he sent it to me without the audio. And I'm like, why would you do this? He's like, because I can't. I don't want to. Sh- I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want you to hear it. But yeah, man, that's what we're gonna do. So I think me and John actually gonna room together. I think too. So I save some money, man. That's cool. I just don't know. Just don't know where we're gonna stay yet. Man. He is being laughed. He had the best ticket in sports we're gonna take a time out segment with jimmy james we're gonna chat about that team that he uh tends to overreact to a little bit overreact new orleans saints i don't overreact mini camp is in the books it's kind of a dead period what is he most concerned about and i'll i'll even go into the thing I think UL football fans should be most concerned about heading into next season as well. Okay. One more segment with James. Don't go anywhere. It's the great Scott show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. show james butler former raising cajun and nfl wide receiver in studio with me pre-recorded it james had a night shift from 5p to 5a and such a good dude and loves coming on the radio so much came in to record this week we uh we tried to get together last week but james's schedule fluctuates he's on call a lot as a state trooper so we, we get him in here when we can NFL season can be here before you know it, even though we're in a dead period right now. Uh, Chase Claypool of the Steelers said, I know for a fact I'm not like the rest of the guys in the NFL. I know I'm a top five receiver. I know I'm a top three receiver. He said that on the I Am Athlete podcast. Kind of reminded me of you, of James. You would say, like, I'm I'm the best receiver. 
It's the mindset. When an NFL player says something like this, and they're not, I mean, he's a good receiver. He's not a top three receiver. Um, why do people get upset about it? Shouldn't they just be mad at fans that think he is? Like, don't you want a receiver to have yeah. that confidence? Yeah. I mean, he's the number one receiver. He's supposed to feel like that. You want? You think Michael Thomas feels another receiver is better than him? No. No, he doesn't. But he's not a, currently a top five receiver because he's barely played the last two <clears> years. That's debatable. But, I mean. He Chase, needs to have played the last two years to get on that list. Still debatable. I mean, I think he's still a top five receiver. Based on something from three years ago? No. Based on what then? He's a top five receiver. Based on what? He's a top five receiver. Oh, come on, James. Nah, man, but if he if he gets back to being a top three receiver, which he was, I mean, there was there was a moment in time where he and D'Angelo Hopkins were like one mm-hmm. A, one B, whoever you put first. It's been a couple of years, man. Yeah. It's been a couple that was the twenty nineteen season. It is I mean, the guy's barely played the last two years. If if he is healthy this year, offseason move with the Saints. You think so? Yes. I mean, wouldn't you agree that when he was healthy in 2019, he was the best, arguably the best receiver in the league? He set an NFL record, which Cooper Cup didn't even break last year with right. more games to do it. All right. Uh, I, I think if you add one of the best receivers on the planet mm-hmm. back to your roster, along with Jarvis Landry, one of the a great slot receiver, a rookie in Chris Oliver. You add Michael Thomas back into the offense, suddenly the offense, the Saints offense was terrible last year. Mm-hmm. It was terrible, statistically. It was worse than the league. They don't have to be great. They just have to – if they can just be somewhere in the middle of the pack, and if you add one of the best receivers in the world into that, that improves your chances of doing that. Because if you have a really good defense and really good special teams, your offense just has to not suck for you right. to win a bunch of games. If if Michael Thomas is healthy this year, I think it's the biggest addition – to this year's team that that hasn't really been there, La- not last year at all, and, and barely the year before. Right. So he's basically he's still not happy, right? I mean, not healthy. Well, he's not. Yeah. I mean, he was. He, he showed some videos of him running around the facility, but he wasn't good yeah. enough to go at Dang, at minicamp. Now, Dennis Allen said he expects him for training camp, um, but they want to be extra careful and judicious and all that other stuff. But I wonder, like, I, I didn't think that injury was that serious for him to miss all his time. Like well, that. I mean, he's had setbacks, he had a late surgery, and then he yeah. had to have another surgery, and all because Sean Payton was so petty, and they all think that's cute when it works. I mean, he, the, the initial injury happened in the first game of the 2020 season when they're running up to score on Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to score a touchdown late, and he's blocking for Taysom Hill and gets rolled up on, and it, he shouldn't always be celebrated. Yeah. It can bite you in the ass, and that it did certainly for Sean Payton that season, and and for Michael Thomas, and they've been Saints have been paying for it since because he's yeah. been making a ton of money and he hadn't been playing. I didn't realize that injury was that like because I, a lot of setbacks. But a lot why of setbacks. you think it's because he's like working too hard to try to get there back? There were a couple of things. It? There were a couple of things. Yeah, and then it looked like in 2020 there was some thoughts of he probably should have surgery numb it, hold off, because they want to try to win a ring. It's Breeze's last year. And Thomas Thomas kind of insinuated that was true on social media by responding or liking a tweet where someone said it. You know, Thomas, Mm -hmm. he doesn't say anything with a microphone. He just does it all with his thumbs, but Mm -hmm. talks a lot with his thumbs. Um, So I, 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 I do think probably should have had it taken care of right out the gate. They dragged it on. 
He came back, but when he came back, it was when Taysom Hill was the quarterback, mm-hmm. and they still managed to own the Falcons in those two games. Then he got hurt again. Then Breeze finally came back. Breeze threw him one touchdown in the playoff game against the Bears, and and then the offseason started, and then they were like, man, probably should have had surgery already. Why don't you have it now? He's like, man, you just made me fight through rehab to try to not have surgery. Mm-hmm. Then he finally did get it. Then there was a setback. The year you know he came back when he probably should have had surgery was when he got into the fight with Chauncey and everyone on the team didn't side with him. I think that was kind of a wake-up call for him, maybe a rude mm-hmm. awakening. And It's been a tough road to hope for him. It was fine when everything was going well mm-hmm. and he was leading the league at receptions. And Ever since that injury, it's it hadn't been great. I mean, there was talk of them trading him, all this other stuff, but he's he's there. They need him. It's where that story leads this year could dictate How far a, the go, a lot. I really do. I really do. Because if he has another injury plague season where he doesn't do much, Jarvis Landry's good, okay. Alave, maybe maybe he'll be good. Callaway going to take us to the promised land. Michael Thomas, when healthy, was Callaway one of the best is going to take us to the promised land. Okay. He's going to be nice as the number four receiver. I agree with Number you. four? Well, yeah. Wow, man. He's going to be nice as the number four receiver. That's where he should be. It's a great spot for him. I think he's... Imagine how much easier it's going to be for him not being the number one primary guy. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, I guess. I, because I feel like now that he he's done it, I feel like he'll be ready to do it again. You know? Really? To be better. To be better. So to say, like, but no one, I'm just being crazy right now. No one is going to put in front of Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, like Deontay Harris. Deontay Hardy now. Hardy. Kevin White is uh, apparently having a nice camp there, Jay. Oh, so he, he is? I heard that. That doesn't guy, mean anything. I heard that guy Dixon <laughs> he is, is doing but good too. It doesn't too. mean anything. Yeah, I can't. Kevin White, I saw a video of like, it was a show dog at one of these. West Kennel Club things at like Madison Square Garden. Beautiful dog. Time. And he's like trotting along and then boom, he just like pops a squat. And it was like Oh yeah, I seen starts that. putting big deal <laughs> in the that. in the show dog world, right? Like a big no no. And it I wasn't thought the to, owner going crazy. I thought to myself, that's Kevin White. He's he's like high a lot of money, really expensive, first round pick, like looks the part, but yeah. when it's time to catch the ball, he just craps the bed. I'm uh, rooting for him, man. I'm rooting for him. I hope I hope he makes the team, and I hope he's It'd be hard for him to make the team. With think about it, number one, two, and three last year on the Saints depth chart wise at receiver is now four, five, and six. Yep. So, so you think he's the eye man now? Who yeah, else? Absolutely. I think your receivers are Thomas, Landry, Alave, Callaway, Hardy, and um, who am I Dixon? missing? Mm, Dixon might be a practice squad guy, but I don't know, man. I think. I don't. I don't think Kevin White's on the team. So I'm. I'm gonna segue that into the question that you had about what's my biggest concern. Who do we have at tight end? Like a full like Taysom Hill, who who who. By the way, he's coming off surgery too. He hadn't practiced at all, and he's never been a full time tight end in his life. Right. Adam Troutman, uh, Nick Vanette, Jawan Johnson. Mm-hmm. No tight end's a big concern. But I heard that uh, that undrafted kid. I think he's out of Lucas I, Kroll. Yeah, I heard yeah. he's doing good. That's good. That's good. I, I don't. I still don't make me confident. Right until you see him. Guy doing good in mini camp in a rookie camp. That's fine. I did cool. It's better than someone doing bad. 
but it's but not something like, to freak out about. Isn't he like six seven or something like something that? Like and that. ran a four five. Uh, he's he's got some pretty good numbers, but but yeah, yeah, man, I. Tight ends a concern. And I think as we wrap up uh, with James Butler here this morning, we're going to let you go, James. Appreciate you coming in. I think I've told you this before. As far as UL goes this year, I got concerns about the offensive, offensive line. line. I knew you was going to go there. I have I to. I nah, mean, they were. I understand. It's been the strength. It's been the strength of the team for so many years, as right. long as I can remember. Right. They've never gone into a season with this amount of experience, this kind, these kind of injuries, this kind of. Damage. You can have great QBs, receivers, running backs, but if your old line is not intact, man, I I'm not saying it won't be. I'm just saying it's my number one concern right now because just to have maybe the Saints tight ends end up being really good, like you said. Maybe Troutman, who was hurt last year, takes a big step and suddenly he's liked and not, you know, dropping passes. Maybe Taysom Hill is is every bit the tight end that he was is in his other role, but. I look at that Cajuns O line and I'm like, I I need to see it before I can buy in. You know what I mean? Yeah, which we you know linemen, they take a while to gel anyway. Like so linemen has to be one of the, if not the most, um, the position that has to communicate the most. And I think like they take a while to gel regardless of how much time you have in training camp and all of that. So it may take them a minute, but I think once they get the feet up on them, I think they'll do fine. Butler, thanks for coming in, man. I appreciate it. It's great me. to see you. Tell them how they can follow you on Twitter. You always do this to me, man. I know. I'm trying to help you, you out. Always do this to me. And you, never, you should you should know by now I'm that I'm gonna prepare for it. I'm you should I know but the, but who is whose fault is that at this point? But it's me. But listen, I don't even know what my handle is, man. I wanna say it's Jimmy B one eight three. Jimmy it. B. One one eight three. He's rocking a Demario Davis jersey. Yeah, in the picture. Shout out to uh, shout out to my boy. Man. Did you see the tweet with the well damn? Did you I see just it? retweeted it from the station account <laughs> earlier. I had to. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Uh, that is it. Big thanks to James Butler. Stay tuned. The Great Scott Show continues right after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.